Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Devin, I hope that you're well today on this gray, kind of dreary day. We've had a nice respite there of some beautiful weather, but uh, we're back at it. But I got to say, after all this complaining about the Minnesota winters and these warnings that my family and I got, I have to say, it wasn't that bad, (laughs) right? Come on. If this was the worst you got, come on. We'll see how I'm feeling about a snowstorm about a month from now. We, we live in an information age. Have you ever YouTubed something and then been utterly amazed that somebody, somewhere, decided to record this high-quality, detailed video about the exact obscure thing that you're dealing with? It's amazing. Right now, I'm working on our house, doing some renos and some projects. I don't think I could do anything or very little apart from YouTube. Sitting there being like, okay, how do I not get electrocuted? How do I, how do, I do this? Um, okay, and if you looked at my search history, you'd think, I'd be, you'd think I was trying to like build the pyramids or something. Just endless YouTube. It's amazing what is available to us out there. In any sphere of life, let's say that you have health goals or you have financial goals or let's say that you're applying for a new job and you want to make sure that you nail the interview, whatever area of life, you are looking for growth, there are almost endless resources available to you so that you can grow. You have YouTube, straight up Google, blog posts, conferences, seminars, podcasts. It's endless what is available to us out there. And the same is true of what happens in regards to our spiritual goals. If we, if you are here and you would say, listen, I love Jesus, but I want to grow this year. I want to grow in my faith, my love, my worship for Jesus. I want to grow in my holiness, my obedience. There are endless resources out there that you can read 
and usually, more often than not, walk away from being the exact same. You see, the issue is rarely information. We have this idea coming from the Enlightenment period that that we are cognitive creatures almost exclusively, that we are rational, empirical. So if you can just get the right information into your head, then everything will follow. But that's not how God has designed us. That's not who we are. Oftentimes, information itself doesn't lead to transformation. And for many of us, if your approach to personal growth, if your approach to spiritual growth is exclusively based around simply gathering more information, it's like you're trying to ride a bike with one pedal. There's something missing. Once in a while, you can time it right and get a little bit of traction, but by and large, there's something missing. And that missing element of the journey is exactly what this sermon series is all about. You see, you are not transformed merely by what you think, but by what you think and what you do. I'm talking about the habits, the practices, the rhythms, the daily routines. I am talking about the disciplines in your life that slowly but surely transform you over time. So much of your life is lived on autopilot. Not in a bad way, but many of us, if you are a member here at Brian, if you call Brian home, it's not like you got up this morning and said, oh my goodness, I have this existential decision to make. Should I go to church or should I not? And so you got out your little piece of paper and you drew a pros line and a, and a cons line and you began to kind of compare notes and you called some trusted friends and advisors and you Googled, what are the implications of me going to church? What are the implications of me not going to church? This is a huge decision. What should I do? I just don't know. No, for most of us, if you call Brian home, you came here this morning because this is a habit for you. This is a routine. This is a discipline in your life. We are shaped not just by what's in our head, but by the habits that we practice. And this series is called Thrive because I want you to grow. I want you to flourish. I want you to thrive. I want you to find spiritual transformation in the disciplines that God has given us. But we need more than just information. Nobody ever thought themselves into holiness. If only it was that simple. But more often than not, our knowledge far outpaces the reality of our life day to day. So in this series, the goal is to make it practical, applicable, actionable for you today, for you in this season. So let me give you an example of this. Next week, I'm preaching, speaking on prayer, this habit of prayer. And then, mark your calendars, 
The following Thursday, which is the 27th, in the evening, we're going to be having an elder-led prayer night where we come together as a church and we pray. Now, I would love every one of you to come. And this is not, our goal here is not to have this be a one-off, but is to infuse our daily rhythms, our monthly or quarterly rhythms as a church with these spiritual disciplines that are so utterly important and significant. So that's coming up on April 27th. And there'll be a few others of those throughout this series as well. But as we kick things off today, I want to talk about the role of the practice, the habit, the reality of God's word in our life. If you're going to thrive as a follower of Christ, God's word needs to be central in your life. So I want to talk today not only about the habit or the practice of seeking God through his word, but the posture and the approach when you come to God in his word. Now, because this is more of a topical sermon and I'm jumping around here a fair bit through the text, there isn't one primary scriptural passage that we're going to be walking through and unpacking. And I'll say this, that I'm going to be flipping through my Bible here a fair bit. And if you're really good, you can track with me, open them up. You know, maybe you were one of those people that loved to do sword drills back in the day. Right? Some of you grew up around church. This was this thing that Christian like youth groups would do. And you'd put your Bible up and you couldn't have it seem, you had to be like seam up so you couldn't be like kind of assessing. They would shout out a scripture verse and then you'd go for it and the first one got to stand up and read it. And there was always debate about were Bible book tabs acceptable or not? Because it kind of seems like cheating to some people. Then it would depend on the governing body that was overseeing said, said sword drill and it got very complicated. But I'm going to be, you know, flipping around quite a bit. Um, So follow along as you are able as we walk through the significance of this practice, of this habit, of this discipline of God's word. The Oxford English Dictionary estimates that there are somewhere around 250,000 words in the English language. Studies have shown that the average four-year-old knows somewhere around 5,000 words. The average 20-year-old has a vocabulary of 42,000 words. But keep in mind, that is not including emoticons. Now, the average 60-year-old knows somewhere around 48,000 words. That's why you're so good at crosswords. Now, keep in mind, this includes objects, slang, and contractions, and so forth, But words abound. We use words in our day-to-day lives to get what it is that we desire. If I say, pass me the salt, please, I'm affecting reality through my words. Words are powerful. And words have the ability, unlike almost nothing else, to hurt, to wound, and to scar. Some of the most significant hardships, wounds that you have experienced have come not just through physical trauma, 
but through the words that were spoken to you. I understand. It's almost amazing how powerfully negative words can lodge themselves in your brain and heart. You know, I can go into the comments after. I kid you not. I go into the comments and somebody will be like, oh, you know, I appreciated that today. Great job, yada, yada, yada. Get a compliment. And I kid you not, it is like water off of a duck's back. In one ear, out the other, right? Kind of like, oh, yeah, barely even register. Somebody comes up to me and offers anything even approaching a criticism. Uh, just so you know, those pants and that, bla- that jacket don't go together. <laughs> or, you know, you wore that last week. And I'm like, no, I don't. Clearly you do. It's amazing how that simple criticism just seems to wound me right in my heart. And I go away and I'm like, it's okay, Devin. It's okay. Your identity is in Christ. Just rest there. They're, they're probably unhealthy. They're probably ungodly. Don't, don't worry. Rest in Christ. But it's amazing how negative words can, lo- can lodge themselves inside of you at such a deep and powerful way. But at the same time, words can be used to build up, to encourage, to mend. Words are powerful. And so today, as we start this series called Thrive, we're going to talk about God's word and the role of God's word in our practices, habits, and disciplines. Not simply so that you can have more information, but so that you can experience transformation as you pursue Christ through his word. We're talking today about the word of God. Now, I want to give you today three foundational truths to shape your approach to God and his word. Here's the first. God speaks. God is a God that speaks. Do you see the how everything, everything in your life, everything that exists, comes from this fundamental truth that God speaks. He is not silent. In fact, when you open the Bible, the first few pages of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, this is how the Bible begins. It is the account of the creation of all things. And God's, God's word says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6. And God said. Verse 9. And God said. Verse 11. And God said. God creates as he speaks. This is utterly fascinating. You see, sometimes when I'm doing something, when I'm working, I talk out loud, right? Sometimes I do it to help me process. Okay, red wire goes, no, 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 don't do that. Okay, green wire, okay, good. Okay, black, neutral, okay. I'm I'm speaking out loud to help me understand it. That's not what God is doing here. 
sometimes I speak out loud to get myself up for something. Like, it's okay, Devin, you can get out there and preach another sermon, even though you're wearing the same thing like a buffoon (laughs) as last Sunday. Just get out there and do it. Come on, you can do it. No, that's not what God is doing here. Sometimes I talk out loud, you know, to let people know what I'm doing. Don't mind me, dear. I'll take care of the dishes. Clattering plates and silverware around. That's not what God is doing. Why does God speak when he creates? Well, he's not narrating. He's not talking himself up into it. He speaks as he creates because he is a God who speaks and his word has power. It is his word that creates God is a God who speaks. And this is good news for you because so many times, if you don't come from a church background or maybe you've been wrestling, going through hard times and you look up at the sky and you think, is there a God there? Will you please give me a sign or a symbol or or something? He hears you. And he is a God who speaks. The question is, Are you listening? God is a God who speaks. In the Old Testament, God communicated in many ways, sometimes through dreams and visions and angels and events, through very bizarre means. Even one time I was raised on the King James Version. He spoke through an ass, which is a donkey. King James English. God spoke to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham to David, to Solomon, to the prophets, to Elijah. God is a God who speaks. He is not a God who creates and like a detached scientist sits there taking notes on his little Petri dish. And that's interesting. I'll write that down for further. No, he is a God who speaks because he is a God who initiates relationship. He is a God who pursues. He is not silent. He is a God who speaks The one who made you speaks. But the question again is, are we listening? When we refer to God's, (coughs) excuse me, when we talk about God's revelation, God's communication, God's speech, typically theologians will divide it up into two areas. There is what's called general revelation, and there is what's called special revelation. And general revelation refers to God's revealing of himself, communicating with all of humanity. This happens through creation, primarily. Common grace, just God's goodness in your life, getting things you don't deserve. This comes through human conscience, that inner sense of law that we all have. I mean, Psalm 19, take that as an example. Psalm 19 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day that pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words where his voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. 
Have you ever had one of those moments where you maybe step away from the suburbs, from the lights, from this inner city, wherever, and you get out into the countryside, you get out into the open, and you look out, and you're just struck again with the majesty, the grandness of God. Those gloriously blessed moments when you are reminded just how small you are. What is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man that you would visit him. Creation declares the glory of God. What a gift it is to live in this beautiful and incredible world that shouts the glory of God. The problem is that we in our natural state, apart from Christ, see that and have an uncanny propensity and ability to suppress it inside. This is exactly what Paul the Apostle talks about in Romans chapter one. Paul explains here that God is just in pouring out his wrath because what is clear about God to humanity is actually suppressed. Listen to these words. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. They are without excuse. You see, we as humanity have this instinctual drive to have something to worship, to create a God of some kind, to to recognize that there's clearly something out there. But we, in our natural state, suppress the truth. But we can only do that so much. Because deep down, we know. I don't care how committed of an atheist you are here this morning. You can't tell me that your life has no ultimate purpose or meaning. That the love that you have for those around you, that the empathy and selflessness that you feel towards those that you you hold dear, that the joy-filled memories of your childhood have utterly no meaning. We weren't meant to live that way. We can't live that way. So that is why even today, popular, renowned atheists spend their lives trying to build a better world, which in their mind is one free of religion. But what's the point? Is what I want to ask them. It's all just meaningless, according to their worldview. But no, we know deep down that there is a God. We see him revealed to us in general revelation through creation and conscience and and common grace. We see that, we know that, but we suppress it. We are without excuse. But thankfully, God speaks to us not only in general revelation, but he speaks to us in special revelation as well. Special revelation, very 
simply refers to the saving knowledge required that God himself has provided to us through Christ, his son, and through his written word. You can see at times in the Old Testament, the nation wrestling, not sure, trying vaguely to follow God and God himself appearing, specially revealing himself to people. And when we turn the pages into the New Testament, we see God revealing himself to humanity through his son and through scripture. God is a God who speaks. This is a fundamental truth. One that ought to encourage and woo you and draw you in to pursuing him in his word. Because he is not silent. He speaks. Here's the second foundational truth for you today. God speaks and God spoke in Jesus. And let's just get this out of the way. He is the main character, not you. The reason we have scripture, that God has given it to us, is not simply so that you can do your morning devotions, take one little verse for your day, and go about your duties. That's one of the benefits of scripture, but that is not its primary purpose. The reason that we have been given scripture is so that we can see the glory of God revealed in the face of Christ. That is why we have scripture. This book is about Jesus. He is the main character. In John chapter one, we see this word of God explained. You know, I got this little, every time I'm doing a sermon like this and I'm flipping back and forth, there's always like a clock in my head that says, Devin, you better get there fast because people are gonna think you're just not cut out for the job. Um, Hurry up, Devin. Come on, they're, they're counting. Somebody's already beat you. Sword drill Billy's already there. He's been there for three minutes. You know, I got this bad habit where sometimes I'll go to like a pastor's conference. I'm sitting in a room like this with a pastor beside me. I get introduced, get talking about your ministries and church and so forth. And then the speaker will come up and the speaker will be like, okay, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter three. And I'll, I'll somewhat obviously, I'll be like, Romans, open up the table of contents make a big effort, be like, how does this go again? And okay, do I have the right book? Um, You know, some people just like to watch the world burn, but just to see the response, that's always a conversation starter, I tell you that much. But God is a God who speaks. He speaks to us in Christ. Why? Because Christ is the word of God. Look at what it says in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, which is the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see... This passage in John, which introduces us to this word of God, begins exactly like Genesis begins. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, John 1.1, in the beginning, this word of God that creates and brings power, this word of God that has authority, steps into human history, and we see his glory, and it's the glory of the Father. 
So when you see Jesus, the guessing games about God stop. Jesus is not partially, half, somewhat, kind of God. He is not a spiritual guru or, or just some kind of moral teacher. No, he is God himself come in the flesh. So if you want to know God, you look at the living word. You can see this in John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, Revelation 1. God speaks. And God spoke through his son. He revealed himself to humanity. And he is the main character of scripture. Because this book is about him. Why? Because this universe is about him. And your life, ultimately, is about him. This changes your approach to scripture. Because oftentimes we come to the Bible in our morning devotions, if that's your best time, and we're looking for almost like a fortune cookie verse to take with us for the day. And in one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. This is not a rebuke. This is an encouragement. I used to work construction. And it was frustrating me because I I had done grad school, I had done some ministry, but then I got plopped into some busy, hectic work, and I didn't have as much time for study as I wanted to. And so... Oftentimes in the morning, if I would read my Bible, I would find a few verses that I wanted to meditate on. Then I would write them on a post-it note. And then I would cover them with um, clear tape. Could you tuck that in your back pocket on a hot day? You're going to be pulling out just who knows what, right? It would just get disintegrated. And I would chew on that. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's an example. Let's say that you worry, that you struggle with worry, Let's say you struggle with anxiety or fear or lust. It is good and appropriate for you to find verses in Scripture that you can memorize and chew on those, meditate on them, memorize them. That's good. But here's the reality. You already know you shouldn't worry. You already know that. but you still struggle. And rather than just looking every day for one random verse to pull out and to put in your back pocket and carry with you, what if instead of doing that, of trying to get something out of God's word, you tried to get God's word fully and completely into you? Here's an example. You struggle with worry. So you meditate on, you read through scripture, you pay attention to the reality that God is sovereign. He's in control. Huh. That hits the heart. And then you go a little bit further and you say, man, God is not just sovereign, but he is good. And all throughout the Bible, he is using instances of of loss and hardship and pain to bring glory to his name and refine his people. Man, that's that's powerful. And then you go a little bit further and you say, oh, in this passage, I'm seeing that God will grant us grace that we need to persevere through the day. And then we go a little bit further and we're reading elsewhere and we say, hey, I see now that the ultimate hope 
is that it's not gonna always be this way, that there is a resurrection, there is judgment coming. And so one day this struggle is gonna be done. I'll take that comprehensive, glorious vision of who God is and what he's doing in human history over one verse in my back pocket. I don't mean this as a rebuke. There's nothing wrong with, with God speaking to you through his word and providing you with something tactile and tangible to take with you. But I am saying we need more than just a verse a day. We need to understand the glorious story of redemption worked out in Christ and who we are in relation to him. God speaks. God spoke through Jesus. And how are you going to know? How are you going to hear this Jesus? Well, there's a few options. You and I could get in a room together and we could just compare notes. And you could say, well, to me, God is like such and such. Or I would never believe in a God who would ever dare ask you to change your behavior. No, no, God doesn't. God just wants us to be kind. God doesn't care who you sleep with. God doesn't care what you do with your finances. God doesn't care how you treat people, except for just being affirming, loving, and really, really nice all the time. You see, if we're simply just swapping notes and comparing our perspectives, that's really of limited value. In fact, one of the things that you see consistently happening nowadays that is especially troubling is this, un- this view that there is somehow a distinction or a dichotomy or some kind of disagreement between Paul and Jesus. And Jesus says so many nice things and then Paul talks about sin all the time. And then you have these so-called Christian pastors or leaders saying, we are red-letter Christians. So we'll ignore Paul and we'll look at the words that Jesus actually spoke. Man, that sounds pious. That is absurd. I tell you what, when push comes to shove, I'm going to trust the apostle Paul, the guy who met the resurrected Lord, the man who was called and commissioned by God to be an apostle, the man who wrote half the New Testament. I'm going to Trust him to understand scripture, to understand Jesus better than some modern buffoon of a fake theologian trying to twist God's word, right? Who, you're trusting that the apostles who wrote down the red letters got the red letters right, and you don't trust the apostles elsewhere. Do you see how disingenuous that is? There is no distinction between the living word and the written word. So God is a God who speaks. God spoke through Jesus and God speaks through his written word. God speaks now through his written word. In 2 Timothy chapter three, we read these words. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. That means beneficial, has value. It is good for teaching, for reproof, 
for correction and training in righteousness. That's the two pedals on the bike, that it shapes our mind, that's one pedal, our intellect, and it forms our habits and our disciplines. That's the other pedal. This is why we come to God's word, because it is inspired. It is God-breathed. The reality is, you are going to have to bow your knee to something. You're going to find some kind of code, paradigm, holy book, mantra to live your life by. Secularism has its own. Different faiths and religion have their own kind of track for you to follow. Maybe for you, you choose to just be governed by and submit to your own desires. You're going to bow your knee to something. You're going to find some kind of rule of life to live by. God is a God who speaks. Are you listening? Because he has given it to us here so that we can know him and live well in relationship to him. This is God's word, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,173 verses. Do you know how long it took me to memorize those to impress you? (laughs) With chapter and verse headings for your convenience. Now, I just want to be clear that these chapter and verse headings, you know, like chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 5, etc., those were not written by the Apostle Paul or the, the writers of the Bible. They didn't sit there and be like, okay, dear Timothy, 1-1. One, one. That's a good way to start. I think I'll do all my letters that way. No, instead, they wrote a continuous text, and then in 1240, around there, a cardinal named Hugo Saint-Cher added them in for convenience and so forth. But we live in a unique day and age in which we have access to God's word. Last weekend, we gave out over 30 Bibles. We are privileged to have God's word written for us. For the vast majority of church history, you would likely go to a church on occasion as you are able to hear a priest offer a sermon or a homily or a reading in a language that you didn't even fully understand. And we have this gift for us today, and many of us struggle with both the information of not simply taking our studies seriously enough, and with the practices, the habits, and the disciplines that form us and shape us over time. The living word lives. And the purpose of your life is found in Scripture. If you want to grow, if you want to flourish, and you want to thrive, then God's word is for you. It's said in scripture, refers to itself as a lamp to our feet, 
that it is given by inspiration. It is a perfect guide for life. It is more valuable than silver. It is for absolutely everyone. It is to be obeyed. It is milk that nourishes us like babies. Scripture is there for you. The question is, are you listening? Do you have the habits, the rhythms, and the practices in your life that prepare you and position you to be molded and shaped over time into the likeness of the living word? God is a God who speaks. Are you listening? Maybe you're here, though, and you're not a Christian. Let me encourage you that this book, this ancient book, has transformed the world. So many of our everything from literary expressions and images to our concepts of personal value and the autonomy of the individual, notions of freedom and the dignity of an individual. So much of this comes from the biblical world. This is the best-selling book of all time. You would do well to familiarize yourself with it. We have Bibles available for you. Start in the book of John or in the book of Mark and just see the living word through the written word. And I tell you this, if you need help, if you need a guide, if you need someone to walk with you through it, we have many pastors, many elders, many staff, many mature and godly people here who themselves have been transformed, who would love to meet with you, who would love to speak with you, who would love to walk with you as you mold this, as you see this become a habit and practice in your life. God is a God who speaks. Everything else flows from that. Because he speaks, you're here. Because he speaks, Christ came and accomplished our salvation. Because he speaks, we have his written word. Because he speaks, we do not have to walk around unclear about who God is and what he wants from us. Because he speaks, you and I can be transformed. More than just information, there's a practice here, a daily coming to him. Maybe for you, that's going to mean tomorrow morning waking up a little bit earlier. Maybe for you, that's going to mean walking out of here and talking to someone and saying, hey, I've been struggling with regular Bible reading. Could you just check in with me, keep me accountable? Talk to your spouse, talk to a friend. There was a season here early in my, my time at Brian where I was especially busy and I was exhausted. I wasn't even dragging myself out of bed. I was just kind of flopping down on the ground, rolling out of bed, um, you know. And, and I talked to one of the elders at that time. I said, hey, listen, I've been struggling because my morning devotions are always my best. I'm focused. If I try to do it later in the office, it's fragmented. Can you check in with me? Can you, can you keep me accountable on this? Right? Life is chaotic. Life changes. And sometimes our habits and our routines can fall away. And so take a step today. Talk to someone. Create some accountability. Invite somebody to hold you accountable. 
God is a God who speaks. Don't you want to hear him? If you want to thrive, if you want to grow, you need more than just information. You need those habits and practices and disciplines that shape and mold you into the likeness of Christ over time. Start with Scripture. And in the written word, encounter the living word. Let me pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. I confess, Father, that there are times when my, even my Bible reading can be like a box to check. And I pray for myself, for my brothers and sisters here, that you will ignite in us a passion and a longing to be with you, not simply to learn more information, but just to bask in your glory and your beauty and your majesty and your holiness. I thank you for your word that you have preserved it miraculously throughout history. I thank you that we are privileged to have these resources here. You are a God who speaks and everything in life flows from that reality. Help us to have ears to hear and feet that are quick to follow. For we ask this in your great name. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.